Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Phil, coming at you with another episode of Filthy Talk. Um, it's been really busy this summer, and it's finally coming to an end, and I'm really thankful. And uh, it's kind of cool to round it out with uh, the Mint Film Festival here in Billings, Montana, which is over five days from the 19th of September to the 23rd, through the 23rd. Um, at various locations, the Babcock Theater downtown, the Art House Cinema and Pub, and probably some other ones, I don't know. But uh, those guys at Mint, the folks, asked me to do an interview with one of the film crews that made a submission that is going to be screened at Art House Cinema and Pub uh, from 4.30 to 6 on Friday, September 20th. And the film is called Dosed. It's a documentary about um, an addict, somebody who's hooked on opioids, and how they use psychedelics to get clean. And the filmmakers weren't really into psychedelics before and just were lucky enough to find out about them and help their friend. Um, yeah, so it was really fun to talk to the directors... Uh, slash producers Tyler Chandler and Nick Myers. They are really cool. I'm probably going to try to go visit them out in Vancouver sometime, maybe make a podcast about it. Um, but, yeah, I'm super thankful for their time, and their movie is really, really good. <laughs> so um, be sure to go check out the Montana International Film Festival. Go check out the Art House on Friday, September 20th, from 4.30 to 6 to see the documentary called Dosed. Um, this is my conversation over the phone with Tyler and Nick. Gross! That is just disgusting. Welcome to Filthy Talk. Yeah. Gotta turn off the AC in my car. I'm at a cleaning job. I had to step out. <laughs> um, all right. So I've got on the phone with me Nick and Tyler, who helped make a documentary that's going to be featured at the Mint Film Festival here in Billings, Montana, um, called Dosed. And I guess I was just wondering if we could start out uh, with you guys kind of giving the elevator pitch of the film. Or something? Yeah, um, you know, essentially Dose is a documentary that follows the journey of a woman who was uh, struggling with mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And she was also addicted to opioids. 
Um, the medical system was failing her. Uh, you know, she, she was feeling suicidal and uh, was running out of options. Um, and, and then we had heard about um, psychedelic medicines like magic mushrooms and other things that can be helpful for addiction and mental health. So she decided that she wanted to try that and see if it would help her situation. And, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of came from a, a place of total uncertainty. Uh, and, you know, and then we just followed her journey for several months as she uh, explored that as a, a way to um, overcome these issues. And I would add to that that um, uh, as part of her journey, she uh, sort of uncovered a, uh, an underground world of illegal psychedelic medicine, medicinal healers. Um, that we didn't even know existed. So it's it turned out to be quite surprising in a lot of ways. Um, now, before we go further, can I just get you guys to say your names uh, so we have your voice ID, kind of, make it easier to listen yeah, to? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm Tyler Chandler. I'm the director and producer on Dosed. And my name is Nick Myers, and I'm the director of photography and another producer on Dosed. Cool. Um, so then, can you remind me of the main characters, what her name is? Adrienne is the main character. Yeah, Adrienne. So as, was Adrienne a friend of your guys's then, or what was the connection there? Yeah, um, I've known Adrienne for probably about seven years, so she's been a friend for a while. And, um, you know, she's always struggled with, um, you know, sort of addiction issues and stuff like that, uh, mental health issues. Uh, for as long as I've known her, and things had just gotten really, really bad uh, leading up to the, um, you know, the the beginning of the filming of this documentary. And then, um, whose idea was it to get into the magic mushrooms? Uh, it was it was a combination of things. So, coincidentally, I had heard about that magic mushrooms were being, you know, were helpful for um, depression. And then she had also heard something on the radio about a clinical trial that they were going to start in Vancouver, which was going to use um, psilocybin, which is the compound in magic mushrooms to help people with addiction. So she was texting me about how she was feeling pretty depressed and suicidal. And I had asked her about that. And then uh, it turned into a good conversation about, um, you know, this alternative therapy that exists but isn't very well known and um you know certainly to us it was was not well understood but we did a bit of research and she decided that it would be worth trying uh on her own um none of you had had done them recreationally before had any of you had experience with them she hadn't and i had only once in my life and that was Coincidentally, it was only a few months before we began filming, and I believe that, um, you know, it, that, that was another sort of factor in, like, why this conversation happened, because um, it was actually, like, a really lovely experience, and, and uh, I could sort of see how it made sense that they could be beneficial for things like this, because it gives you, like, a little bit of a perspective change um different way of looking at things and even though I wasn't struggling with anything um you know after the experience I was 
kind of curious as to why, uh, you know, why I felt like really good. Whereas let's say, for example, if you, uh, go out drinking, you know, the next day you feel really <laughs> shitty. And, uh, and so, yeah, I did a little bit of research and I had learned about that, you know, they can be helpful for, um, a variety of things. And then that led to the bigger discussion about, um, you know, how they might be able to help her with her, uh, pretty serious, um, addiction issues and struggles with depression. Yeah. We had minor experience like recreationally, but we didn't have any experience dealing with, um, psychedelics with somebody who was struggling with like long-term mental illness and addiction issues and who was relatively unstable. And, um, you know, certainly it was a scary thought to embark on that kind of adventure. Was it just, I'm thinking of, I think it was one of the first scenes where she takes mushrooms. It's out like on a lawn chair. Um, and I was wondering if it was just like you guys and her or who all was there. Was there like somebody who knew how to do it around? No, I mean, that's what we were dealing with. We didn't know what we were doing and we did it anyways. Um, You know, we we did research and tried to figure out, you know, at least some sense of like, um, you know, how much you should take and stuff like that. And we we went in cautiously, um, you know, because we we weren't sure what was going to happen. So we... I would say we went on like the lower end of what would be considered a therapeutic dose. And, um, the setting was fine, but not really like, it's not really how you're supposed to do it therapeutically. Um, and we learned that later on, we, we met a bunch of people who like everybody knew somebody. We met one person, he gave us like five names. Oh, you should talk to this person, talk to that person. And then all of a sudden we're realizing that, oh, like, you know, there's, there's much better ways to do this. And the, the better you do it, the more therapeutic benefit you have. So, um, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, the several weeks and, and months, um, Adrienne, you know, like, Basically, basically, when she was doing it with us, she may as well have been doing it on her own. And that's not recommended. Right. Um, so we found support. We found people that have a lot of experience um, with the medicine, both personally and also helping other people and sitting with them and, you know, guiding them and facilitating a therapeutic session. And that's where you get, like, real results. And, so, that, yeah, that's what's important about about this whole message is that, there needs to be safe access with trained therapists because at the time we felt like we didn't have really any other options because she felt like she didn't have any other options. She was feeling uh, suicidal and she was habitually using um, street drugs containing fentanyl that have a a high degree of probability for um, overdose. So she felt like she needed to do something and without knowing what avenues to, uh, to approach, then that's just what she decided to do. Right. Um, so I guess what I'm kind of driving at, though, I kind of suspected that that was the case just based on kind of what you guys said in the movie. I think you even kind of said that how there wasn't really anybody around who <laughs> knew what was going on, how you had limited experience there. But I guess I just kind of wanted to get the details. Um, uh-huh. Let's see. The other questions, where was I headed? Oh, so what I'm driving at is kind of, something that fascinates me about 
what's happening around psychedelics right now is the extent to which it's coming from um, like a do-it-yourself mode <laughs> um, and not unfortunately out of like it's, it's out of necessity as you pointed out most of the time where uh, people have been in and out of rehab um, and find that that is you know um, consistently not successful um, and just end up in a place where they don't really have any choice uh, I have a couple instances in my personal life of you know uh, family members or friends who are struggling with opioids as well and who can't seem to can't seem to get any sort of grip um, so I've wondered about this but uh, it does seem like unless you know somebody really special you're gonna have to do it alone um, or unless you live in a place now that where this stuff is opening up and you can enter a study or or whatnot. Um, so I guess maybe that leads me into a, another question I had around legality, que worries that you might have had with this. Um, can you get in trouble for making a movie like this <laughs> where there's people using illegal substances and you're documenting it? Hope not. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> the The interesting thing is, um, like, I guess technically we could get in trouble, but also, I mean, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, I, I mean, you know, here here we uh, like how how to say this? It's like, in a way, the making of this film saved Adrienne's life. She was using illegal drugs, anyways. Um, you know, like she was using heroin that's laced with fentanyl. That's a big problem in Vancouver and many cities. Um, people are overdosing on these substances and, um, you know, it's kind of like mystery drugs. You don't really know what you're getting all the time. And so, you know, trying a different substance that also happens to be illegal is really like no different. Um, and I know in certain instances, you know, people can get punished for stuff like this, but I think you, I think you have to be like trafficking heroin and stuff like that in Vancouver. Um, you know, they, they don't, they don't like arrest people for using heroin. So they don't typically arrest people for using mushrooms, um, Certainly, if you became a problem to police and, you know, we're constantly getting into trouble or, you know, smoking meth and breaking into cars, like, obviously, you know, stuff like that um, could lead to, to issues. But I think generally speaking, um, you know, it's a positive message and it's kind of like taking a magnifying glass to like, why, why is this stuff illegal anyways? I mean... If you want to get it, you can get it. It does not matter in any city whether it's legal or illegal. It is available, and the only thing that would be different if it was legal is it would be safer, and it would allow people to get better help and rehabilitation to overcome their addiction. Because uh, once you go to the street and you're at the mercy of a drug dealer that is cutting you know, drugs with who knows what, including fentanyl, uh, becomes quite dangerous, right? So, of course. Well, I was just asking that more from the perspective of if you guys had practical concerns as the filmmakers of this. We definitely had practical concerns uh, about the making of the film. Certainly, 
when we were, you know, driving over to Adrienne's and, uh, you know, we're figuring like, gee, like we had no idea what was going to happen. Right. Um, you know, like you hear these stories that, um, to be fair, like now, now that we've been doing this and like sort of immersed in this, um, world of psychedelics for about two years, I think most of these stories are just like, urban myths and parents trying to scare their kids like oh if you do mushrooms or something you're going to jump out of a window and like that doesn't happen if anybody's had a bad experience on mushrooms I would I would wonder if they you know might have been doing something else at the same time and and I'm talking about like a a a dangerous uh you know whether they're going to like harm themselves or others um mushrooms are actually ranked as the safest of all the drugs um alcohol is the most dangerous and uh, it's safer than prescription medications as well um you know you can't overdose on it it's non-toxic it's not addictive so we didn't know all of that stuff at the time and yeah we were we were extremely nervous about what might happen because we thought maybe adrienne would harm herself while we're there and while while she's um taking these mushrooms and you know we're, we're trying to do a good thing and you know, film this experience to see if, if something positive happened, then we'd keep filming and, you know, have a, a message to share with the world. But yeah, Nick and I were definitely uh, concerned about like what might happen the day. Yeah. Of. And we didn't, we didn't think to clarify, we didn't think that she was going to harm herself or else we wouldn't have done that. But it's always a possibility. It's always that fear that you have that something like that's going to happen because it is kind of throwing a wild card into the mix, potentially, if you take somebody that's already like uh, suffering from these uh, emotional difficulties and also on illicit drugs and put psychedelics into the mix. You're just like, what's going to happen, right? So we were totally scared about that. Um, but yeah. And you were filming it, um, which I was curious. It looked like it might be difficult and uncomfortable as somebody with a camera in these therapy spaces sometimes. Like, was Adriana yeah. like, annoyed or were the therapists annoyed or were you guys annoyed that you were trying to navigate a situation where maybe a camera <laughs> doesn't really belong? Or Well, that was like a big, that was like a big sort of... Um, important part of this whole process was to be ready to pull back and not film if the situation warranted it because the number one um, point of concern was just Adrienne's um, long-term health and the success of the therapeutic situation she was involved in so definitely there were some times where the cameras had to go away right makes sense um well, there's a, with how effective this stuff is, and then with Iboga and Ibogaine or whatnot, um, it's kind of amazing that it's so inaccessible, um, and it, we're only now finding out about it. Um, and I have ideas, and other people have said things about why that's the case, but what's your, what's your read on it where, how did we get to the position where so many people are in so much trouble and there's this one thing that seems like it would help a lot, but it's also something that you have to go out on a ledge in order to try and then reach out and find these people in the underground who you can maybe hopefully trust to kind of carry you through. Like, what happened here? 
Well, I mean, it was back in the 60s, there was a lot of research being done on psychedelics, um, LSD and others, and it was back then shown to help people. Even the founder of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, he used LSD to help with his own alcoholism. And um, when... Well, I, I mean, the story goes, he, he wanted that to be the first or the 13th step in the 12-step program, but then um, I guess it would have been like President Nixon. I mean, I'm, I might have my dates a little bit wrong, but all in that in that era, then, you know, they made the psychedelics illegal and the research stopped. And so obviously they moved away from that and went to like the full... Um, you know, abstinence, uh, 12 step program. But a lot of people, we, we know people that have used LSD to overcome alcoholism and, um, you know, like psilocybin and mushrooms can, can work as well. And aboga and ibogaine and ayahuasca and all of these things, they, they offer such a therapeutic response. People describe them as, um, you know, doing like 20 years of therapy in a day, so if you're getting that much value out of something um, and, and it is usually based on allowing you to overcome trauma that you've experienced, which is, is what causes people to use in the first place. So if you're using alcohol or any other kind of drugs like uh, cocaine, meth, heroin, um, that is usually that's a mechanism of escaping your life whereas psychedelics don't allow you to escape they actually force you to face those problems head on so i mean the whole the whole therapeutic context is interesting because um it's like how did we get here and why why is it coming back i mean i guess it's just like the war on drugs started and you know they they scared people it was a lot of propaganda a lot of stigma uh, and, and, um, you know, I mean, I guess it's been in the last 10 or so, 10 or 20 years, there's been more research happening. And now, um, I mean, even just last year, uh, the FDA in the United States gave a uh, breakthrough status to, um, approve psilocybin for depression. Breakthrough um, status meaning? I think it's, I think it's kind of like, um, they, they fast track it to um to the approval and so they're estimating it could be it could be legal as a prescription medication by 2021 i think is what the current schedule is and of course of course like why why is why are things not available when they're so effective um it comes down on the ability to profit off of of these compounds and substances and uh you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of money in, in making people well off a few sessions of psychedelics. In many cases, there's a lot more, there's a lot more profit in, in keeping people sick through the habitual use of antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, opioids, things like that. I um, was speaking with a, I was speaking with somebody um, just to, to sum it up briefly, who, who runs a ketamine clinic. And, and they said that, that, um, Ketamine is is way more effective. That's another psychedelic. is way more effective at treating people with depression than than this sort of analog drug that they synthesized. But because they they because the big companies can make money off the synthesized version, 
um, that's the one that's promoted. And so lots of people are taking a drug that's less effective. And the only reason is because it's been patented. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's some heavy bullshit around, around that stuff. Um, it strikes me that with the rehab centers too, more often than not, you have administrators interested in keeping their jobs. Um, when the stats show that rehab centers do just terribly, terribly bad, badly, um, and helping people actually get better. And they're super expensive, like 30 grand for a month or whatever. Um, I just, just saw a headline where some mom spent 110 grand on rehab for a kid and he died anyway. So, um, this stuff's kind of happening all over. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad situation. Um, and like why have things gotten so out of hand is, is another question too. Like, um, you know, I, th- I think it's the stat since like, since 1999, um, suicide is up about 25 or 30%. Um, eight, 18% of the population of the United States is diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And it's about 10% is diagnosed with a depression disorder. Um, and these numbers keep going up, even though there's like more and more money being spent on prescription medications. So for those of, you know, for those people out there that are on anti-anxiety or anti-depressants, um, and you know, for those that it's working for, it's great because obviously everybody should be allowed to use what works. But, um, in many cases, the prescription medications don't work or there can be complications or, you know, side effects that actually make things worse. And then you have um, other medicine like psilocybin, which is clinically proven out of the Imperial College London to be something like 93% effective against treating treatment-resistant depression. So, like, why isn't that available when it's so effective? And then it also treats end-of-life anxiety to a really, really high percentage up around the 90% level. So this was the study at the Johns Hopkins University for um, cancer patients that were um, terminal and they were experiencing symptoms of uncertainty and stress around the fact that they know that they only have so long to live. And after they had their treatment with psilocybin, they um, that went away for them and they were able to at least live out the remaining weeks or months, um, sort of happy and, and not worried and stressed about like what's going to happen after they die. Um, let's see. I have two minutes. I, I wanted, I guess I'll, I'll end it by first of all, like thanking you guys for doing this work, kind of reporting on this type of story. It seems like imminently important and there's obviously stuff's popping off around around this stuff um but my last question maybe is kind of has two parts it's that like between now and 2021 and maybe like you're not in the position to give people advice but what's your sense about what people should do who are desperate and can't afford to go to rehab or can't afford to go back to rehab um like what is it worth it to go out on a ledge like you did uh, even though you didn't know what you're doing and risking like a, a psychological break with your friend in order to save their life 
I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough answer there because for a lot of people, the answer would be like absolutely yes, and then there are going to be a small percentage of people for certain very specific and even very rare reasons that like maybe they shouldn't do that, um, and uh, and that's and that's you know that's when you know maybe they they need to find somebody. Finding somebody obviously can be difficult, um, considering that. Uh, in most places, this is illegal. Um, although, I don't know if it's easier now in Denver and Oakland because they did just decriminalize um, psilocybin, and Oakland actually decriminalized um, a few other important plant medicines as well. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's you know like publicly and easily accessible. But there's always an underground um, way you know to to gain access to things like. Obviously, if cocaine is illegal and you can get it easily, then certainly, you know, if you asked around in the right crowds, you could probably find somebody that knows what they're doing and, and would be happy to, you know, help you heal uh, using psychedelics as a therapeutic tool. But it's all about, obviously, safety, doing you know, research and, um, you know, figuring out like what what psychedelic medicine might work best for you. A lot of people like mushrooms because they're pretty like, it's just like five hours, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a day, whereas other ones last a lot longer and there's a lot more preparation um, involved and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, I'll just jump in. Like, I, I, of course, I I'm, would never advise anybody. But if I was going through this process, knowing what I knew, what I know now, um, I would educate myself by going on the internet and learning about psychedelics and the proper use of them. I would consider legal options, like how to fly to a place where you could take this substance legally. There's many, there's a few places in the world where you can do that. And then also as well, if I was totally desperate and I was feeling like I was at the end of my rope and I was suicidal, man, I would hate to um, end my own life rather than try something which has such a good track record of helping people, um, even if it's not wildly, widely accepted by, the, by everyone in the world just yet. Kind of one follow-up I, I have is like how people who are really interested in this, like this is something that I've considered a bit is pursuing like a therapist path for myself um there are places that are giving cert certifications or, or are educating people like centers or academies or whatnot um what what do y'all know about kind of the on the books training that's happening um as this stuff kind of makes its way out of the underground are you talking about like the the clinical trials and studies being done through MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, or are you talking about um, like uh, a retreat where you would go and um, be trained by by people that have experience with this type of medicine? I guess either, because they both have forms of legitimacy, but one is kind of more institutionalized, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, for MAPS, they, they are... Um, I mean, they're doing everything totally like above board legally and, and by the book. And it's a, a long uh, and also expensive process when you go through, um, you know, like phase one, two, and they're now in phase three clinical trials. They're, they're doing clinical trials with a different type of 
substance, MDMA, and that's for um, PTSD. So it's like uh, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. So it, it allows people to overcome PTSD. Um, in, in And, you know, it's for war vets and first responders and uh, people that just see a lot of traumatic stuff. And, and that's where they're starting, of course. And, you know, they're hoping, I think, by 2020, it will be a prescription medication and it could be used for anybody who has PTSD that's causing them uh, diff- difficulties in their life, whether it's like, you know, trauma they experience when they're a child or even like a really brutal car accident, stuff like that. Um, you know, people experience trauma in all different ways and uh and if people have ptsd um you know they're not living their best life so this is like a mechanism to help with that um i i don't if you're asking like how do you get involved in that i mean i i don't actually know we we haven't had the time to dive deep into what it takes um but I'm assuming that there's some sort of educational process involved and there's obviously like an, you know, an ethical process to follow and, you know, you could reach out to maps and, you know, see what their guidelines are. You might, you might have to have a, you know, you might have to start with like, for example, being a counselor or a psychologist, but I don't know, maybe you don't. Um, and then as far as like the other places that do it, well, it's kind of like an underground thing as well. And, they would obviously be open to accepting people. They probably have like questionnaires and get a sense of like where people are coming from. A lot of people don't want to like work with people who are, you know, motivated by, for example, money. They want to work with people who are motivated by um, helping others as their primary goal. And, um, you know, those same, same sort of things would apply, but they might not need this extensive educational back background and, uh, and stuff in order to like help help people train and get a better understanding and that that might mean one person goes back and now they're like an underground therapist and they just help their friends and family and uh and people they know through a you know sort of word of mouth type of situation um but something you need to be careful with for like legalities as well and you know where do you get these substances from and making sure that they're all pure and you can grow them they're pretty easy to grow. grow them. You can go pick them too. They grow themselves. Um, well, I'm sweating my ass off in my car here, and I've already I've gone over time with you guys, so I, I appreciate you you letting me ask a couple extras. Yeah. So do you do you think that we have enough there? Obviously, we should just plug the time and the the show time and the the theater here. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, I was just gonna ask if you had anything that I forgot to ask you about or that you. Yeah, that you felt like we missed. I mean, we we covered a lot, right? Just the show times. Yeah, just the show times would be good. Um, and our website. So um, the show time is in Billings, Montana, at the Art House Cinema, at four thirty on September twentieth. And uh, as far as I know, it's uh, not the biggest theater venue, so tickets are going to sell out. So go get your tickets now, and um, and then check out our website at www.dosedmovie.com, and uh, you can check out the trailer. You can find out more information there. You can also uh, like just sign up for our mailing list, um, and you know we're we're not really mailing anything out. We're just kind of um, 
um, getting ready uh, for when the film is available for people to rent online or whatever that uh, that will let everybody know through that so yeah that sounds good well um, thanks Tyler and Nick yeah thank you we'll be in touch I might be bothering you guys if I could <laughs> uh, to come out there and meet some some mushroom people <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you can probably arrange that if you come uh, <laughs> if you come hang out um, we'll uh, we'll definitely have a nice hangout with some people that are into the mushrooms and whatnot. <laughs> Sweet. Well, uh, good luck with all your promotion. Sounds like you're busy. And, uh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, cool. Talk to you soon. We'll be in touch. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, bye-bye. Well, that does it for another episode of Filthy Talk. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to Tyler Chandler and Nick Myers, directors and producers of the documentary Dost, which I think is going to be important um, given the level of the crisis happening and the nature of what they discovered in the documentary and in the process with their friend Adrienne. Um, that's going to be big. So yeah, check it out. Make sure you come to the Montana International Film Festival uh, or the Mint Film Festival in Billings, Montana downtown uh this film dosed is going to be at the art house cinema and pub on friday september 20th from 4 30 to 6 uh september 20th i understand is the 420 version of uh for mushrooms which is kind of fun uh i think i'm going to be getting over to vancouver soon to talk to these guys and meet some of their mushroom friends there's also a podcast called Crackdown, which is super cool. Um, this guy, Garth Mullins, reports on uh, the opioid crisis there from the scope or the perspective of an addict or addicts, his friends. And they're super cool. I'm going to see if I can hook up with them, hook up with Tyler and Nick and a therapist and learn what the fuck is happening more. I want to be on the ground. Uh, if you're interested in supporting that sort of endeavor, you can go to our Patreon. Just search Waste Division on Patreon. It should pop up. Or you can go to waste-division.org to uh, click on the tiny little banner up at the top, and it'll take you to our Patreon page. Um, also, if you go to waste-division.org, you could see other work of ours, which is um, maybe a little happier. I don't know. This stuff is kind of happy. But, uh, yeah, we have, like, art and music and, and cr creative shit on there as we also try to address really serious, important stuff like this. Um, so, yeah, if you like writing and visual art, music, um, you can find that in addition to featured posts about our podcasts so you, say, so you stay up to date. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay, thanks for listening. I'm going to play you out with this tune called Prairie is an Island by a really cool band called Mega Giant. I hope you like it, and we'll see you next time on Filthy Talk or somewhere else on Waste Radio. Okay, bye. <laughs>